Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Today on episode three, Dave and Dr. Bud will be focusing on the positive mindset, mental toughness, and happiness aspects of the Win the 16 program. Thank you for listening. Welcome everyone to Win the 16 podcast. As always, thank you to Carrie and the production team. Today's Win the 16 podcast is brought to you by Pygon One Consulting. We would love for you all to please rate, review, and follow us on Spotify and Apple. Lastly, please contact us with any questions or thoughts on the podcast or on Pygon One Consulting. We can be reached at pygon1.com. Welcome, bud. How you doing? Dave, I don't think it could be any better. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, today's podcast, bud, we're going to discuss growth mindset, mental toughness, and happiness is an advantage with Win the 16. Before we do that, bud, you and I both thought we should take a brief recap of the first two episodes. Our last episode, we discussed personal and professional development, as well as forever being a learner. In the first episode, we introduced the concept of Win16, a program where you take small daily actions to help you achieve your own short and long-term goals. In that episode, we noted how Win16 is a mindset, which is a great segue into today's topics. Growth mindset, mental toughness, and happiness can help Win16. But why don't you define a growth mindset as well as a fixed mindset for all of us today? Carol Dweck, the Stanford psychologist who popularized the term, defines growth mindset as individuals who believe their talents can be developed through hard work, good strategies, and coaching from others. The fixed mindset, on the other hand, are people who believe their talents are innate gifts and fixed, static. They are who they are and they can't really be changed. It's more, they are more unalterable. Mm. But when I think of the fixed mindset folks, and I know we're all, we are all in both of those mindsets at times, I, I usually hear words like this from people when they're in their fixed mindset. And that is words like this. I can't do this. I can't try that. And I always think in the back of my brain, and it, I have to be fully transparent to everyone, it is a little bit of my pet peeve when I hear people saying things like, I can't try this, or I can't do that. It's a choice, bud. It's an absolute choice of all of ours to who are willing to try to do something different and enter that growth mindset. It's up to us. No one is just going to be in the growth mindset all the time. We, we've already said that up front, but it is an absolute choice of what type of mindset we decide to choose. 
Yeah, you know, Dweck talks a lot about that too, that everyone's really a mixture of both the fixed and the growth mindset. And that mixture evolves with experience um, and with situations. And that's why I think the disc assessment that you do at Pygon One Consulting that helps you see more clearly who you are um, is invaluable. Um, I've taken it and I'm, I'm a logical thinker to a fault. <laughs> um, you know, Adam Grant talks a little bit about that. He is as well a logic bully. Um, and I struggle in situations where we have emotional conversations where um, I think people are being illogical. And that really is a trigger for me to get into my own fixed mindset. And it really is a detriment to me when I'm in those difficult situations. Um, being in a fixed mindset makes you a little bit more defensive, a little bit more insecure. Um, and it makes it harder for you to have be a versatile thinker and look for alternative approaches to problems and situations. Uh, to help you move beyond that uh, with people. But I'm so glad you brought up DISC. And let me share to everyone who listening today what DISC is. DISC is a personality assessment to help us all with our behaviors when we interact with other people. So at Pygon One Consulting, uh, what, what is very common for, for me to do with my clients or even my individual clients is, I have them take a five to seven minute personality assessment to for in the goal of it is for them to really understand who they are, what their personality is and why that's so important for us to optimize and best have an impactful interaction with somebody, whether that's our boss, a peer, a colleague, a client, we need to know ourselves inside and out because when things are great and things are wonderful. We have a certain personality type, but boy, bud, when things, when adversity hits us or stress, potentially our personality could change. So we need to be able to identify that. Also, as we start to study and learn DISC, we, we understand other people's personalities. So what better way to connect and work with other people, whether it's our supervisor or client, is if we can fully understand. And we have that, what I call aha moment, and we say, oh, now I know why that client behaves like this. So for me to best connect and work with that person, I need to modify my behaviors. So it's an absolute quality tool for us to have in our toolbox when we're dealing with people. So I'm so glad you brought, brought that up. But I hope, I hope I spend most of my time in growth mindset, but as you had said, it's key that we, we're in both of those. It just depends on the situation. So I have a great story I wanted to share. In this story, I don't know if I'm going to do it full service by explaining it, uh, but there was a video that exploded on social media this summer. It's by a coach. This coach is Coach Carol Lawson. She is the woman's head basketball coach at Duke University. The title, if you looked it up on YouTube, it's called Handle Hard Better. But let me say that again. It's called Handle Hard Better by Coach Carol Lawson. And I'm going to paraphrase her real quickly, bud. But here's what she had to say about handling hard better. She said, it's a mental and a mindset, mindset shift. Life's not going to get easier. Don't waste your time waiting for easier. It will only get harder. 
It's up to you to change your mindset. When you leave here at Duke, life is only going to get harder. Again, it's a mental and mindset shift. You have to change your mindset. Bud, she was awesome. I tip my hat to Coach Lawson. I think it was great. So, Bud, now people could be thinking, okay, I understand. I hear you guys talking about growth mindset. It makes sense. So how do we improve it? What tips do you have for these? So why don't we start sharing some tips for people so they can take it away and hopefully uh, use this. So number one, Bud, getting comfortable with our weaknesses. It's okay. Weaknesses are an opportunity. They're not a failure. Uh, trust me, this isn't easy for me and I'm sure it's not easy for you. But the first thing we need to do to get in a growth mindset is to be okay with getting comfortable with our weaknesses. Number two, positive self-talk. I'll say it again, positive self-talk. This one's huge for me, bud. I do this all the time. I do it in the car. I do it in the gym. I, I do it when I'm writing. Uh, I, I'll give you an example. I finally now but understand what writers say. Now that I'm writing a book called Win the 16, I now fully, completely understand when you hear writers say they get writer's block. It happened to me the other day. It's so frustrating. I dedicate this time to writing so many hours and I, I just struggled. I just struggled with it. And I can honestly tell you the positive self-talk of, Dave, you can get through this, was so helpful for me during that process. You know, it reminds me uh, in Jim Collins is good to great and you, you, people will get tired of me quoting that because I really like the work he did in, in good mm. to great and in built to last. Um, he talks about what you're talking about there a little bit is that sort of the, he has a flywheel discussion. Um, and when you're trying something new or different or moving from your fix to your growth mindset, or when you're moving from being a learned to a learner, like Eric Hoffer uh, refers to um, how hard it is. Dweck even talks about this as, you know, sometimes these popular self-help topics are easily dismissed because people are looking for a quick fix and nothing is easy about this. It's a lot of hard work. Um, but with the flywheel analogy, he, Jim Collins talks about how hard it is initially to push that large flywheel and you make tremendous efforts and it doesn't move or it moves millimeters. Um, and then you go back the next day and you push on it again and you don't move it or you move it millimeters. And it's a period of time where you keep persistently over time pushing it and finally it starts to move centimeters. And then it's a couple and then it's 10 and next thing you know, you're moving meters. And then over an unknowable time, you start to really build some momentum and the flywheel starts moving. And then you start achieving things in your unknowable potential that you couldn't even have dreamed of. Um, so I think maybe your writer's block to, for a similar analogy is you spend a lot of time struggling and working hard for those three hours. Um, and maybe you don't have anything to show for it tangibly on the paper, but that may have been you're pushing that flywheel. So the next time you sit down to write, the words may just flow um, and you produce some of the best stuff you've written. And it wouldn't have happened necessarily if you hadn't put in that time with the three hour block. Uh, and I think the positive self-talk, the old train, right? I think I can, I think it can. 
really does help you get through those times where you're not getting positive feedback from the results. Mm. Yes. I, Bud, I sure hope you're right. I hope you're right on that one. So let's go to the next tip, Bud, for people and ourselves. And that is attempt one small new thing per day. That's attempt one small new thing per day, whatever that might be, but it has to be new. Why? Well, the rationale behind that is training yourself to do something different and training your brain to learn something is a process. The same thing goes true with training yourself to be in a growth mindset. It's developing that process and that model. So if you can consistently day in and day out, do something new. And again, it doesn't have to be some big item that you're doing, just something new every single day to again, help that process. But when you were describing the flywheel to me, I was listening to that. You did it so precisely. And as I was listening to you, I was thinking, wow, I know why some of us stay in the fixed mindset. It's easier. That growth mindset really takes willpower, discipline, mental toughness, and more. It's not easy. And this is all connected into win the 16. All of those concepts and traits are critical. So I just thought it was great that you brought up uh, the flywheel, bud. That's a great example. Well, you know, the growth and the fixed, and like Hoffer talks about learner versus learned, it's really comfortable and complacent, right? Mm. And so the learned have a tendency to be a little more comfortable and complacent. It's easier. I already know this. I don't have to do anything different. I don't have to grow. I don't have to learn. Um, so it, it's understandable why people kind of can gravitate toward there or what I worked, what I did in the past is working. Why do I need to evolve? Why do I need to change? Um, so that totally makes sense. Um, but that really kind of touches in something that I've really become interested in. Um, and it, this is whole concept of, uh, of exercising and training. And I don't just mean physical exercise, but mental exercise. Um, and cause I had a couple of people ask me about, you know, why do I need to get up earlier? Why should I have a glass of water or, you know, taking that 10 minute walk every morning, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm dealing with people and issues at work and how does it help? And, and part of it, I believe is it's a training you're, you're establishing some discipline, you're training yourself and you're building a foundation, um, that will give you the discipline and the strength to go to a, a different level or a different area of expertise when you're called upon to do that. Um, and a lot of the things we're advocating here with the simple steps, they're just the initial steps. These won't be the things you'll necessarily be doing three months from now, six months from now, a year or two years from now, but you're building a foundation. There's some really cool literature <clears throat> out of the University of Chicago for economists there talking about cognitive endurance training. Uh, and in that study, they had a couple groups of students who they didn't do any of the cognitive endurance training to. They did others that they did math specific training on equations and problems that they were going to be tested on. Uh, and then they had another group of students that they did sort of cognitive, not sort of cognitive training on, but it was regarding puzzles in um, games. So, you know, think of like Sudoku's or other things that challenged the kids to think uh, and in, to push their cognitive function that had nothing to do with what was going to be tested on. And, and the kids who didn't get any additional cognitive training 
did worse on the test. The kids who got specific training on the things that were going to be tested did well. But what was really surprising is the kids who got the cognitive training did as well as the kids who got the specific testing training. And it kind of their thinking was is that just by training kids to think differently more and challenge their, their mental capacity was helpful even though it wasn't directly, they were learning things that weren't directly on the testable materials. And I think of some of these little discipline things as in a similar way, you know, having a glass of water isn't, isn't the, the drinking of the water isn't what's going to make you a better business leader, a better person, uh, more effective in your job, but it is building a foundation of, of skills that you can tap into when you need and build upon. Um, that type of foundation. There's also a really cool study out of Denmark that looked at brain endurance training for their elite athletes um, because there's only so hard, there's a counterproductive part of pushing some athletes further physically. They need to rest and recover. Um, so when they've hit this limit, these Denmark scientists said, well, what could we do to improve their, their function? And so they started challenging them mentally with brain endurance uh, uh, tests. And what they found in the study is the ones that underwent the brain endurance. So while they were resting physically, they were challenging them mentally. They had a seven to 12% improvement on their physical endurance after going or their physical performance after going through this program. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like that much, but if you think about a sprint swimmer, cause some of them were swimmers, um, that has a 60 second race, if they can improve their performance by 10%, that's six seconds. They're now crushing the competition. They're mm -hmm. now Olympians. They're world record holders, right? They're essentially unbeatable with that 10% um, by just doing something mentally demanding a training um, that has no direct bearing on the physical skill set necessary to be an elite swimmer. Uh, and I think they found that too in bicyclists as well. Um, so it's that's, I think, what we're trying to tap into, this sense of, these little things that we do to train ourselves to be more disciplined, um, build a foundation of skills um, that we eventually can use and build upon for other life skills. Well, that's a great example, Bud. Thanks for sharing that. And that leads us, Bud, to our next tip on our growth mindset. And that is dream of the possibilities. Dream of the possibilities. So as we're all contemplating that growth, that learning, that potential change, but it would be so helpful if we all could dream of what the possibilities are. Now, I like to think of it this way. It helps me. I think of a rainbow. What is at the end of that rainbow? And I, I can relate to this recently because when I finally decided and started and created Pygon One, it was scary, right? Leaving a new job, starting or leaving my old job for this new venture. What was so helpful for to me was the visualization process, visualizing the possibilities, visualizing what could happen. It helped me finally get a jump start, and it continues to help me through the process. Heck, the same thing with the book bud that I'm writing and even this podcast. Those are all things that what has helped me get through that these is the dream, the possibilities, that end of the rainbow. 
And, and there's a lot of literature on that too, right? It's kind of that positive self-talk, visualization, um, you know, not to beat a dead horse on the sports analogies, um, but they talk about that visualizing the, the shot going in or the, right. the hitting the home run or, you know, catching the ball, making the pass. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's powerful. It's real. Um, again, it takes hard work to do that and you really have to believe. Um, it's in some ways sort of this getting ultimately focused in this sort of meditative kind of mindset of being present in the moment. Um, but there's a lot there. Absolutely. And that leads us to uh, some more tips here. So I put these two together for us. And here's two more tips. And that is confidence in yourself, as well as taking ownership. It's critical if we're trying to improve our growth mindset. We absolutely have to be confident in what we're doing, bud. We have to be confident in ourselves. We also have to take ownership. It, the commitment's ours, it's us. And we also have to understand, we might have some naysayers, could be at work, could be at home. We could hear things such as, why are you doing that? Why are you doing this? Why are you trying that? It's imperative we remain confident in ourselves and we own this. And I did want to say one thing too about the growth mindset for leaders out there that are listening and parents too. As leaders, we absolutely have an opportunity to lead by example with growth mindset. And think about how powerful that is for whether it's our children or people we work with or people who report to us when they see us stepping out, learning, trying new things, because again, we all know when we go out, we put ourselves out there and we try to learn new things and grow, there is that sense of awkwardness at times. We could be uncomfortable and heck, I hate to use this word, but we might fail. I personally, and I know you don't, we don't use that word failure very much. Uh, we never have in our household because even if you don't get to where you want to go, you've learned something, bud. So it's not necessarily a failure. Now, might you not have not get to that end result you had hoped for? Yes, absolutely. But it's all the learnings and the growth. And that leads us to our last tips on how to work and improve your growth mindset. And that is focus on the growth and the experience not the results and speed. And I'll say that again, spend your time focusing on the growth and the experience, not as much on the results and speed. And I think my book that I'm writing is a good example of that. I don't know how authors define results. I don't know if they go chapter by chapter or if they wait to the end, but I am just living day in and day out when I do have time to write because I have a full-time job. I am just looking at results as one day at a time, one word at a time, one paragraph, one chapter. And speed, I'm not sure exactly how long it's gonna take me to complete this book, but I can't absolutely can spend my time thinking about the growth and experience because I can tell you, bud, I, it's been awesome. And I'm so glad I did this. Yes, I have a couple thoughts on, on both of those topics. Um, you know, I'm really interested in this whole training uh, concept. 
um, and not necessarily training for the skill at hand, like I mentioned before, but just generalized training, making yourself better, doing different things and how that can apply to things you can't even imagine and how valuable it is. Also agency, the sense that we have control. Um, the world isn't fair. Luck plays a huge role in it, um, but also um, agency, controlling what we can't control. Like you say, making choices, you know, I can't do this, you can't do this. You can choose to be in a growth mindset, even though you're not always in the growth mindset, um, having agency. And as you look at some of the literature on well-being, the people who feel they have agency over their life actually are feel healthier, have greater senses of well-being. Um, so those are really important topics as well. Uh, and then your story about writing. I have a friend who left his job a couple of years ago, uh, to, wanted to become a, a commercial novelist. And so he's writing, a, decided he's going to write fiction, got a writing coach, took some writing classes, and sat down to do the task at hand. Two years later, he puts out a book, novel. Um, I've read it. It's very good. Got good critical reviews, um, but didn't sell commercially as well as he had hoped. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, disappointed in the goal because his, his goal is to be a commercially viable novelist. Um, but it's the process, the fact that he did all of these things that he takes comfort in and pride in, and that keeps him going. Um, it's the process, the journey. Um, so, you know, he went from being someone who worked in the tech industry uh, to now someone being a commercial writer, um, which is in itself a huge success. So some of that is how you define your goals, but he's already got the second book in its final stages, getting ready to come out and he's working on outlines um, you know, topic matters for his third book. Um, so while the first book didn't hit the commercial goals he had hoped for, um, maybe it happens on the second or the third or the 10th, you don't know when some of those goals, and that kind of ties back to what we talked about in the first episode of Win the 16, and I think I'm mentioning back then, I focus less on the achievement of those larger goals uh, for a self-satisfaction. Did I develop the habits and the discipline necessary to help achieve those goals because sometimes the goals are beyond your control um he wrote a he wrote a really good book that was critically reviewed the public just didn't buy it in large amounts that's a little bit beyond his control um, so he took agency over what he could do did a great job with that and then he moves forward he left his job for that too did he but yes I can relate. I can yeah. totally relate with yeah. him on that one. Yeah. So, but let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. If you're an individual or an organization contemplating personal and professional development, reach out to Pygon One Consulting to have a discovery conversation regarding how we can help you and your business. Please visit our website at pygonone.com to start your journey. Okay, bud, we're back. So, Bud, now we're on to mental toughness. And I know you and I are both are passionate about this subject. So, Bud, why don't you define mental toughness for us? Okay, I'm, I'm the definition guy. Yes. So, mental toughness, um, it's a physical or mental strength that allows someone to endure strain or hardship. It allows someone to endure strain or hardship. I, I read this recently, too. Um, mental toughness is finding fuel in an empty tank. You texted me that the other day. I, I really love that one. I, I really, that, that one's great. It reminds me of Goggins, David Goggins, 
And uh, for those of you people who don't know him, he is famous uh, for many things, but he is the gentleman who got through Navy SEAL training, Air Force tactical training, as well as being an Army Ranger training. So his mental toughness is, a, is amazing. And he used to be overweight. And um, I think he was close to 300 pounds. And he just one day decided to make a change in his life. And his mental toughness is just amazing. So Google him if you're not familiar with David Goggins. I think he'll really share some amazing stories. So, but getting back to talking about your definition, I thought I'd throw this out there question to the audience. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask everyone. Does anyone listening believe they will face adversity and or any stress in 2023? So I have a smile on my face when I'm reading that and saying that because mental toughness can absolutely help us, bud, in handling stress and adversity. I know there's this connotation sometimes with mental toughness of thinking about people like this David Goggins man that I referred to earlier, uh, as well as athletes in the military. But this mental toughness piece is for all of us. Uh, for someone, for all of us, whether at work or at home, if you're going through something challenging, stressful, and there's adversity, this mental toughness piece can help you and that is why it is part of Win the 16. It really can help us. And let me be crystal clear on this. Mental toughness is a skill. It is something we can develop and we can improve. Dr. Michelle Clear states, we have the ability to develop mental toughness. And I received a text the other day and it's from a gentleman in New York who I'm his business coach. And he said, Dave, I thought of you guys. I thought of win the 16. Uh, I was contemplating not getting out of bed to do the windy win the 16 challenge the other day. But again, I thought of you guys and I rolled over, got out of bed and uh, went out for my walk and so glad I did it because I felt great. So that is an act of mental toughness. And I think we'd all agree going for a walk and getting out of bed, it's probably not that hard, but we all sometimes don't do that. And this is where this mental toughness can help. What do you think? What are you thinking, bud? Well, you know, it's a, again, that's the sort of the thread through all of these things, you know, the having the glass of water, the getting up, the taking a walk. These are all things we can do. We can all do. We all drink water. We all take walks. We all get out of bed every day. It's that tying those together with the discipline and doing it when we don't want to do it, um, that really is important. And, and, I, and I love the part about what uh, Clear says about it's a skill. The things we're talking about are skills um, that are learnable. It's back to the growth mindset in Dweck or, or Hoffner with the learner. These are all things we can learn and improve upon. Um, you know, I gave a lecture recently to the med students where we were talking about leadership and leadership as a skill. A lot of people think it's a fixed thing. Oh, I'm just a born natural leader. You hear that all the time. And the reality is that those people are rare, these natural born leaders. Um, it really is a skill that needs to be developed and worked over time. 
um, mental toughness is along that way. And I like the thing about the Goggins analogy. Goggins took agency, took control over his life and just said, I'm going to be different today. Now, I can't imagine he, when he started his journey to losing weight and being different, that his ultimate goal was to to be a to complete ranger and seal and, and all those trainings. Maybe, maybe it was, maybe it was that far thinking, um, but it's more imaginable to think that he goes, I'm just going to live healthier and be more disciplined and do some of these things. And those simple things he did built the, the foundation to get to the point where, you know, I mean, let's be honest, he's a freak. Oh, I, don't, I don't think, any, I don't think anybody else is right. That's his claim to fame. He's the only one to do this. Um, um, and again, we're not advocating when the 16 that you have to be Goggins. It's just maybe take that little incremental change in your life today to make you a little bit better version of yourself or get you a little bit closer to who you want to be. But I, I, I'm laughing because now I'm thinking about a, a funny story. At least I think it's a funny story for the Pygons. You, myself, and the boys, we went to that... Um, place in Chicago where they have these hot saunas and cold plunges. And we went in the cold plunge and I, I can't remember what, it, I think it's like 50 degrees maybe. And when we were sitting, standing in there, as long as we could stand, one of the boys made a comment and said, how long would David Goggins stay in here? And I remember you saying he would stay in here as long until they told him he had to get out. So I think that puts into perspective who David Goggins is as a human being, that he would, they'd have to pull him out of that the, uh, cold plunge. So, Bud, let's jump into the next tip to improve mental toughness. Um, or the first tip, excuse me. And that is think positively, have good thoughts. So let me say that again. The first tip is to think positively and have good thoughts. And when we're doing something that's maybe hard or uncomfortable or challenging to us, those good positive thoughts can really help get us through. Because I will say just as important or maybe even more importantly is conversely, if you have negative thoughts going through your head, those can be very detrimental to fighting through whatever you're fighting through. And let's get back to that simple, just taking a walk in the morning and my client in New York, when he decided to roll out of bed, if he would have allowed, allowed negative thoughts to override the, his positive thoughts of, I've got to do this, he never would have done it. And that's this whole concept that we're talking about, these small little things that can lead to a process to fight bigger things is he was able to override those negative thoughts and get out. And then after he did the walk, he felt better about himself. He felt like he accomplished something so much. So he sends me a text message. So it's those positive thoughts can really help bud with improving our mental toughness. And, and you can see why we link these, the mental toughness and the, the growth mindset, because that's back to the think positively. Um, if you think you can, or you think you can't, you're probably right. Right. Sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, we're, you know, we're not breaking new ground with some of these things. We're just tying some of uh, it together to make it easier for people to digest and understand. Uh, and again, it's these little incremental changes that can lead to unknowable differences. 
Absolutely. And that leads us into our second tip to improve mental toughness, and that's vision. And that's vision. Looking past the uncomfortableness or even pain and looking at what's at the other side of it, if you can fight through it. And I'll give you an example. What I just did was I did a 48-hour fast. So I do intermittent fasting daily. Um, that is where I do not eat between, typically for me, I'm a 13-hour to 17-hour intermittent faster, meaning I do not eat any food, no snacks. I only drink water for those 13 to 17 hours. Well, this time I decided to do a full two-day fast for eight hours. And my why is there's some data that it could help with the longevity, reducing inflammation, uh, supporting my brain, as well as additional energy and some other different things. But that was the vision behind it because, bud, I was hungry. There's no question about that. Also, I realized uh, there is some insomnia, or at least there was for me. I, I was making the boys dinner one of those nights, and yes, I was absolutely hungry, but it was the vision, bud. It was thinking about making it to 48 hours. Now, there's a little competitiveness to that, too, once you commit to something, but it was ultimately that vision that I had that helped me get through it and have positive thoughts. You know, it's interesting. A lot of these topics are overlapping, right? Discipline, willpower, mental toughness. Um, in many ways, they're, they're different sides of the same coin. And I know we'll talk a little bit about willpower and uh, in, in, in more about discipline in, in future episodes. Um, but you know, Kelly McGonigal, Stanford psychologist, they, they grow them smart out there at Stanford. She talks about willpower. And, and she kind of divides it up into three things, willpower, won't power, and want power. Uh, and how she defines that is, what will I do? What am I willing to do? What won't I do? And then what do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And I, and I think your 48-hour fasting kind of touches in all those, right? I won't eat, right? I will fast. And then what I want to do is get to that 48-hour mark. Um, nothing magical about that number versus 36 from a health, you know, just a goal you had set for yourself and your, your willpower, your, your discipline to achieve that goal, because that's where you want it to get to. Um, you know, I think obviously your discipline is, is an outrageous strength, um, and something to be admired and, 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 uh, and I, I certainly try to, 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 uh, strive to achieve that as well. Oh, I wasn't giving in on that one. There's no way. I, and I know you had said, hey, where's, I, <laughs> you used a different uh, language there, but you're like, where did you come up with that genius idea? And uh, it was off that National Geographic special, which now is on Disney Plus from Chris Helmsworth, the actor. I believe he played Thor. He did it for four days, a four day. So I have to work up to that. I'm not there yet. So we just started off with two. But that leads us to our third tip to how to improve mental toughness, and that is breathing and meditation. And Bud, I wasn't, I haven't been sold on this whole breathing and meditation thing. Boy, I'll tell you, Bud, I'm not even good at it, but I've changed my tune. It really does help. For me, when I get stressed or adversities hitting, hitting me, if I just take deep breaths now, and again, I am a work in progress. I am not very good at it. I am just learning that. It helps. It really does. And I have an example. 
And you mentioned earlier, we I think we both were talking about writer's block for authors. And I don't want to call myself an author yet. I'm not there yet. But in writing, I have a full-time job. So I do all my writing on the side when I can fit it in, nights, weekends, early mornings, whenever it might be. But I had those three hours. And for me, when I schedule that two to three hour time frame to write, I really need to have, I, I need to accomplish something. So it's not that I put pressure on myself, but I really have to accomplish some work in that time frame. And I wrote for those three hours. I woke up the next day and I read my material. And what? I think I called you. It was terrible. I mean, it was just bad. So what did I do? I had to delete those three hours of work. And stress was jumping around, uh, adversity in my brain. But I can honestly tell you, bud, I took some deep breaths and it really did help. And then I went on to write that day. And I don't want to say the material was great, but, but it was much better. It was good. And the deep breaths really got me to a place where I was able to move forward. Yeah. I mean, this obviously is, you know, we're not hot taking anything here about the power of meditation. Um, uh, it's been around forever. Um, maybe Western civilization a little slower to it, uh, to buy into it or adopt to it. Um, but there's evidence everywhere of its power. It really does help you focus your mind. I try to meditate five minutes a day. I start small. I have a friend who's up to 45 minutes to 60 minutes and he and he, he's brilliant, one of the smartest people I know. Amazing. Um, and he says it's been transformative. Uh, you know, he's my age, 58, um, and he could feel some of his mental uh, acuity in his own view slipping. Um, and he said it has really brought him back. Um, it, it is hard to do. People think you're just sitting there closing your eyes, um, but try it. Like I say five minutes is about all I can handle right now, and I don't even do it very well. Um, for five minutes, try to focus your mind on your breathing so that you keep all the other thoughts out. Uh, again, it's this training process, um, the endurance training, like we've talked about earlier, um, just focusing on your breathing. Well, how does that help you for all the difficult situations you encounter in your life, dealing with people, situations, uh, decisions you have to make, business decisions, which road to go down. Um, but that focusing develops your brain um, that work and it is work. When you read about meditation, they, they talk, the common misperception is that it's a passive activity. It's not, it, it is very challenging to do. Um, but it's incredibly powerful, how healthy, healthful and how mentally healthy it can help you. Absolutely. So another tip for all of us, choose something you are uncomfortable doing or don't maybe don't even like doing. So we thought we'd throw a couple examples to get people thinking so they can think what might be something that they could try to do to help with their mental toughness and improve that process. Public speaking, maybe you're the first person to raise your hand on a Zoom call or a meeting live. You're the first person who speaks up. And typically you're not the person who speaks at all, or you let others go first. That might be one item. Again, these don't have to be big items that you're tackling. It could be 
no music, TV, no podcast, no audiobook while you're going for a walk or maybe while you're working out or cleaning the house. You are literally doing it with no sound, just you and your thoughts. Waking up 10 minutes early every day. And I know you get a kick out of this because I read this years ago, but it really does, bud, work for me. And that is when I'm trying to get up in the morning, all I do is I count down like I'm a rocket ship. Three, two, one. And there's something about when I hit one, I just pop out of bed. And again, it was an article I read years ago. It works for me. When you're hungry, wait five or 10 minutes before you eat. Again, if you're hungry and you're about to go to the fridge and have your lunch, breakfast, dinner, whatever it might be, is wait five or 10 minutes. So uh, another one could be a cold shower. So I do that every day. So let me give everyone a tip on this one. I am not saying, so all I do is take cold showers now, unless it's at night, uh, then I'll do a hot shower because I don't want to get woken up. But um, maybe take your normal shower and then just make it hot, uh, make it cold for 10 or 15 seconds to, to start with and then work your way up. But that is absolutely going to probably take most of us to an uncomfortable place. And you might actually be able to use some breathing techniques to help you with that because that is critical for cold showers is, is the, the whole breath. Uh, another one could be go past your self-imposed limits, whatever that is, whatever limits we put upon ourselves, think about something that you put a limit on and go past a little bit. But any comment on any of these or something else you wanna to touch on about being uncomfortable to work on our mental toughness? Those are all great suggestions and easy things to do. Well, I shouldn't say, rephrase that. They're not easy to do, but they're all doable things. Um, they're not asking someone to lift 600 pounds, right? I mean, something that Correct. physically you can't do. Um, so I think those are all great kinds of things to try and don't try everything. Just try one. Um, that is in keeping with this, you know, we're advocating small incremental changes. Um, when the 16 is a, is a lifestyle change, this is not something that you're going to do for three days or three weeks, uh, hopefully. Uh, this is something that you're going to build upon uh, and alter how you think and feel and behave um, for the rest of your life. Um, so start small, little incremental things. You know, I couldn't help but think about um, the getting up 10 minutes early. You know, in the, in, in the Navy SEAL, you know, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin's book, Extreme Ownership, um, uh, they talk about, you know, about the best SEALs were the ones who were the most disciplined. And how they demonstrated that was the getting up early um, because their lives were so structured that for the ones who really wanted to become better technical shooters or better tacticians or better strategists, the only way they could find more time in their day to spend on practicing, studying, uh, perfecting those techniques was they had to get up earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so they were the first ones at the firing range. They were the first ones at the tactical meetings. They were the first ones, you know, working with uh, their mentors with the strategy meetings. And they all said that the most disciplined SEALs were the best SEALs in their experience. Uh, and so that kind of stuck with me. I'm not by nature a morning person. Um, 
it has taken a lifetime to get to the point where I've had a true appreciation of the value of getting up and getting started with your day. Awesome. Thanks, bud. So let's jump over to bud, our last topic for today, and that's happiness. Happiness can assist, it can support, it can help us all winning the 16. So let me be crystal clear when I say this. We are not asking, nor do we anticipate, nor do Bud and I wake up every day and we are just, the whole day is full of joy and happiness. That's just not what we're talking about. What we are saying though is during our journey throughout the day, we have to find parts of it. We have to get our mindset into a place where there are happy thoughts, there is joy, because it only makes us better and it makes the day more enjoyable. And you and I, I know we're this gentleman, uh, we have tons of respect for, is that is Tom Brady. He is an NFL quarterback, uh, probably the greatest quarterback and potentially maybe the greatest football player ever. He's now 45 years old, still playing football. But what's so impressive about him, there's many things we could discuss about him, discipline, habits, goals, mental toughness. He loves the process. Again, let me say that. He loves the process of being an NFL quarterback. I didn't say he loves the glory of just playing on Sundays in front of all these fans and all the success he's had. It's the process. It's the being at the facility at 5.30 in the morning, getting ready for the opponent, preparing his body, the training, its he finds joy in it. Now, I'm sure if we were interviewing him, which by the way, uh, Tom Brady, if you're listening to the podcast today, you have an open invitation for Bud and I, any and all time to jump on. I think our listeners would love it. Um, I'm sure he'd say, Dave and Bud, there's parts of the process that I hate and I don't love and enjoy. So I just want to make sure I was crystal clear. But anything you wanted to say on this? Topic? Well, you know, it's you know, Brady. Brady's a freak, right? You know, these guys who are at the highest of the high levels. Uh, you know, Jordan, another you know freak. Um, um, but Brady wasn't always like that, right? You talk about you know he he hit a point fairly early in his career, twenty six, twenty seven, where he realized that how he was living wasn't going to allow him to stay at or get to or or compete at the level that he wanted to for as long as he wanted to. Uh, and so he kind of threw out that, oh, I want to, you know, be an NFL quarterback till I'm 45, you know, when he was like 28 or 20 people laughed at him. This just isn't something you do. But not only did he want to stay in the league at that level, he wanted to compete at the standard he had set. So in a 40-40 through for 5,000 yards, and even in the past half of the NFL, wow. that's insane. Yes. Um, and so he's still really, really good and talked about being a learner, right? He really talked about being a learner. He trains differently than other athletes with the band training. He eats differently than other NFL athletes with his plant-based diet. Um, Chris Paul did that about three or four years ago when he was losing his step. Uh, most point guards at the NBA fall off a cliff uh, when they get into the 30s because they just lose a little bit of quickness and they can't stay in front of people anymore. So Paul changed his diet, went to a plant-based diet, lost weights, um, probably decreased inflammation, increased some flexibility, and still at 39 can compete at the highest levels and the levels that he set for himself. So it is, it is really remarkable um, 
And so again, we're not advocating you need to be Tom Brady, but again, just a little incremental things that you can do to sort of reach your reach goals. In Budwin, I want to I want to leave everyone with this thought on happiness and joy with winning the sixteen. Let me take you back to the forty eight hour fast that I did. So I I think most of us agree it's a challenge doing that, but I knew not only was did I want to accomplish it. I knew there was going to be a sense of joy and happiness when I completed that. Let me explain that to you. I knew I would feel accomplished. There would be a sense of pride. And that's what we're talking about with Win the 16. There are just going to be some days that there's not going to be a ton of joy and happy. That's just real world that we all live in. But at the end of the day, if you can reflect back and look and say, I was able to handle those unforeseen challenges that popped up during my day. I was able to get through that meeting or two that I dreaded or for the multiple flights I had to take to get to a certain area and part of the country for my work. You know, that's where what we're talking about when happiness is once you've done some things that were uncomfortable, hard, or you didn't enjoy, you should be proud. You should be happy about that. And I had the opportunity to take an eight hour course years ago, as well as read two of his books. Sean Aker, um, he's known for this concept of happiness is an advantage. And again, I'm gonna share a little bit of data from him and you don't have to agree with the numbers or not, but I think it just again, gets us all thinking about happiness could help us during our journey and what Sean Akers said, and what his data supports is, if your brain is in a positive mindset, you are 31% more productive than when your brain is in a negative, neutral, or stressed mindset. His belief is, if we're happy upfront, we will be more creative, we'll be able to ideate better, our work is better, Our results will be better. That's his belief. And I just personally know from my own mindsets, whether it's work, writing my book with clients, uh, the podcast, going to the gym, if my mindset's in that right place and I'm happier going into it, I do a better job. Now that's just me. So that's what Bud and I wanted to talk about today when we talked about happiness can help with win the 16, those 16 waking hours in our day that we're trying to optimize is that growth mindset and happiness can help us. But anything else on this before we recap our day? No, I, I mean, there's more and more studies out there. You know, Horn and Arbuckle look at positivity and performance studies, and there's a direct link between people that are positive and have a positive view of their work and who they are and their own happiness levels and their performance. Um, there's other studies out there. Look, you know, 75% of job successes are predicted by people's optimism levels, um, their social support, um, those that see stress as a challenge instead of as a threat. Oh, um, I like that one. And then, you know, again, the threat in all these, you know, some agency and what have you, but the growth mindset, right? This is a challenge to me, um, a challenge that I, because of my growth mindset, can and will overcome as opposed to a challenge because I'm a fixed mindset. I either have the ability or I don't. And if I don't, you know, I'm doomed to fail. Um, so that's how some of these things sort of weave and tie together. Um, and I do 
you know, the win the 16 in, in many ways, it, it helps us escape that culture of average uh, that we're really striving for here. Oh, but I love that. So, but I'm going to recap us today. Brief recap. One, we discussed growth mindset and shared tips to how to help us all get to that growth mindset and work on it. Two, we shared ideas to help our own mental toughness and Bud defined it for all of us. And thirdly, we did discuss how happiness can support winning the 16. So thank you all for listening today. We'd love for you, please contact us at pygon1.com with any question or thoughts you might have on our podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Our next episode will be December 14th, Wednesday. And again, everyone, thank you so much for listening and win the 16. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.